And I, for one, welcome our new gentlemen, overlords. Who? 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 Now that's a team I can work with. I love it. I love bringing people together. How we doing? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Gentlemen Overlords. I'm Andrew. I'm Max. I'm Robert. And guys, we got a real slamma-jamma of an episode for you. But before we get into talking about hooping, let's talk about... Uh, Something movies. that rhymes with hooping. Something that rhymes with hooping. Uh, we both do it. We all do it multiple times a day. We're talking about watching some movies. <laughs> Don't you forget about me. Look my way, girl. Something breakfast. Movies we've seen. Yep, we watched movies. Robert, you actually watched the movies this time? Guys, <laughs> come on. You know me. Yes, I did watch the movies this time. Um, boy, I'll just start going down the list. Um, and I just added one, but I don't remember what order I watched it in. But first off, I'll say, went to the theater and saw Pig with Nicolas Cage ah. and Alex Wolf. How is it? Uh, it was excellent. Um I don't know if you guys have seen the trailer. It's basically Nicolas Cage lives in the woods uh, with just himself and his little truffle pig. Um, and the pig finds him truffles and he sells them to Alex Wolf, who takes them into Portland and, you know, sells them to different restaurants and things like that. And uh, one night uh, these people break in and knock him out and steal the pig. And the rest of the movie is him um meeting up with Alex Wolf and having him drive him around and try and find out uh, what happened to it and where it is. Um, going to Portland and uh, a couple different restaurants. It's definitely, it's not the most food movie, but there's, it's very food centered and there's uh, little chapters and things that kind of highlight different kind of dishes and things that are, that complement the story. Um, I don't want to say too much about it because it's in theaters and I think it's genuinely good. And I think folks should, should watch it without being spoiled, but I would definitely say don't go in assuming it's like uh, John Wick with a pig because it's not like it's not a revenge action movie. It's not. Yeah, it's not an insane. And, and Nicolas Cage pulls it's an, a great performance, very somber and understated and little punctuations here and there of, of you know, of of. Uh, you know, him emoting, but it's not crazy like that and i think people just assumed it might have been something like that because it's nicholas cage and it's like oh his pig is gone he wants it back he's clearly upset he's gonna go you know you know punching his way through the portland food scene to find it and it's it's not really like that it's a movie about and there's backstory to why nicholas cage is out in the middle of the woods and stuff like that without saying too much so there's there's it's a lot about grief it's kind of a meditation on you know uh sort of how you compartmentalize things and either move past things or, or can't move past things. Um, so it was surprising to me uh, in the theater, just having it be a much more serious film than I thought, but mm -hmm. it was not, that didn't deter from it for me at all. It was, it was really beautiful. And I, um, yeah, I loved the performances and just like some weird, just a few like little weird things that I thought made, gave it just an air of, just a little bit of humor, like as far as like there's a fancy dish at a restaurant at one point that's like, uh, what was it called? A deconstructed scallop. 
and Jamie and I were in the theater, we're both like, how do you deconstruct a scallop? Mm -hmm. It's already in its base form, um, which is like, you know, you see some of that snooty stuff in the movie. Um, but a bit of a laugh for me in the movie when they both say like, they're, they're bemoaning like, oh, if, you know, when the big one hits, all of Portland will be underwater and none of this will matter. And they're like, well, we're not moving to Seattle. And they're like, yeah, fuck Seattle. And I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, it's, it's really great. And I would recommend it. It's, um, uh, yeah, not what I was expecting, but a, a pleasant surprise nonetheless. Cool. And Nick Cage does a good job. Oh that. yeah. He's great. I, I think the thing with Cage too, is he's so prolific and you see that he'll do just like anything. And I think he usually is always doing something. He's always turning in a performance, but I think the material sometimes just sometimes a Nicholas Cage performance can't elevate even some of the stuff he's in. Sure. This is something where I feel like if it was another actor, it would still be a fine film, but he really brings this humanity to it that I, I appreciate. And um, it's just like, it's subtle. I don't know. It's something about like how much they didn't uh, kind of spoon feed the audience uh, too much stuff during the course of the film. It really feels like it, it had a, a respect for the people watching it to not need everything handed to them. Exactly. And um, it's also the director's first feature which is way more, even more impressive to me. They, they, I think, believe they've done some shorts and stuff, but this is the first feature film, and I was, that's a huge first outing for them, so so kudos to them. Um, I also watched, uh, just pulling up my list, Underwater with Kristen Stewart, and um, and there's a, the, a few other folks in the, the cast. Uh, who's the break? Hmm? That's what like we're there in like a like a like a observatory or station under like in the yes. water. It's called like in the Marianas Trench or whatever. Yeah, it came out a little while ago, maybe that maybe last year yeah. or maybe a little earlier. I didn't really hear anything about it, and um, I don't know really what possessed me, but I, maybe I I think I'd heard someone on like a Discord or something. I liked enjoyed it, and then I and then I looked up. I think I looked it up at the time and was like, oh okay, interesting. But I didn't really hear a lot of fanfare. Um, I liked it well enough. It I as someone who. And maybe this was me coming off of um, playing uh, Subnautica and doing some like underwater games and stuff. I was like, I'm just going to lean into my thalassophobia and and watch a movie about people like in the just the worst situation, just trapped underwater, insane. Like they're near the Marianas Trench. It's like the pressure would just like explode you if you weren't in your suit. And um, it is a little bit to me like, um, oh gosh. Uh, what's the name of the movie where all the women go down into the cave and um, the descent goes be huh? The, the yes, descent. the descent. It reminded me of that a little bit because it's sort of like it's already scary that you're trapped in this place, like the cave or underwater in this movie. But then in the descent, it's like oh, also there's monsters that are that are coming after you. And similarly, when the station starts to get fucked up and they have to kind of trudge across the bottom of the ocean to get to another one, it's revealed that yes, something else, something has sort of been unearthed in all the drilling and stuff that they're doing. Um, so that was interesting. Um, yeah, you're shaking your head. I nope. To, I don't nope. need to know that. I don't need to know that there are ancient monsters. Yeah. Like um, below the earth that we're going to disturb. I don't need to know that shit. I, I liked it well enough. I think that, and I, I think part of this is sort of uh, intentional. And another part of it is kind of like convenience that like, it's a murky movie. Like when they're underwater, it's hard to see what's happening because it's, you know, silt and just like blurry underwater where you can barely see. So it feels like they use that to their advantage to not show full on some of the creatures a lot, but it also kind of felt like an excuse to like 
kind of like show it things quickly and not have to focus on it. Not, but not necessarily in a good way. Like I kind of wish, I wish they could have somehow evoked the, the claustrophobia you would have being underwater and having, and having that actual experience, but also kind of like brightened it up or shown closer, some of the, the creature effects and things. Um, but Kristen Stewart's really great in it. And, um, uh, oh, uh, the breakdancing guy from uh, Ocean's Eleven is in it too. Um, the guy who like dances through the lasers. He's like French, I think. I forget his name. But um, it's been a long time since I've seen Ocean's Eleven. But uh, but but yeah, some good performances. Um, unfortunately, T.J. Miller. He's not in the movie very much though, good so boy. that's all. That's all good. Yeah. Um, Kristen Stewart's made quite a career for herself post Twilight. Like she's yeah, done, she, she's like a good actress now, and like not that she was like horrible in those movies, but like. The material again, like we talked about with Nick Cage, the material is not very good. She's pretty good in movies now. Like I've, I've oh yeah, yeah. I didn't hear much about the the Charlie's. Wasn't there like a Charlie's Angels remake I that she it. was in? But um, but I but I don't know if it was any good or not. But um, but I'm glad she's doing more stuff. And then similarly, her her Twilight partner Pattinson is in lots of better lots of better things now. Hey, no shade on Twilight. It has its yeah. uh, has its audience, but um. I think those are fun movies, but um, the new Batman, I mean, they're both doing things. So I, I appreciate that. I like that. They're, I like that they didn't get stuck with those single roles and now they're just, you know, waste. They're just like wasted their talent and are cast in anything. That would be such a bummer. Um, so I enjoyed that. Um, I watched uh, gangs in New York again, just randomly. I put that on one night. I think I mentioned before, I don't know what it is about that movie. Cause it's, it's a little messy to me for a, for a Scorsese. And I think I just love, and, and Jamie sort of said like, maybe it's because like some movies aren't set. A lot of movies aren't set in that particular time period. It's this weird, like, you know, moving into the new century and there's still like lawlessness, even though it's, you know, it's fairly modern, but I really just love so much the environment and kind of like the goings on in that part of New York at that time. And the even though, pants. Yeah. That, that's a i'm a big fan of the stripy pants oh yeah i love Everything. i mean yeah. i love butcher the butcher bills uh whole get up and i love like the gangs kind of have their own sort of looks too and it's a weird one too because it's sort of based on some real stuff and then other things that are completely made up so it really kind of muddies muddies that as far as from a historical viewpoint i know i mentioned it not too long ago on here it's it's odd to me that i watched it again so soon but it was just something i wanted on in the background and um I think it was on the same service that uh, underwater was on and I had like a trial. So I was like, Oh, I might as well throw this on. But yeah, it's just a, it's just like a movie. I like to watch every once in a while. Something about it really, really uh, does it for me. Um, and then I had uh, kind of like an alien double feature. I went back and rewatched ET since I hadn't seen that from start to finish since I was uh, well, I, I've seen it since I was a kid, but it feels like I've never, it just feels like Jaws are one of those movies where you're like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know E.T., I know that mm-hmm. movie, but you actually sit down and watch the whole thing and it's so great, so emotional. I've, I really got teary and upset multiple times during it. Are you sure you didn't just watch Mac and Me again? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're right. I Elliot did go have a wheelchair and did go off a cliff. Um, it is so funny to me that, and maybe you guys have heard this or I've mentioned it before, that they approached M&Ms about making them the candy that Elliot sprinkles on the ground to lure et and they were like no he's ugly like we think he's scary and that kids won't like that (laughs) 
And he is kind of ugly and he's at part scary. But guess what? Reese's Pieces got the contract and their stock went up way high, uh, up into the space where ET's from. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> and I just bet they're they're kicking themselves. Um, I also think it's funny. Yeah, there's a part. M and M's right. They're like about to go bankrupt right now because uh-huh. they, yeah, they need something. No brand recognition anymore for M and M's. Yeah. Hey, rest in peace. Well, pour one out for M and M's, you guys. Um, it is funny to me when the there's like the ominous guy with keys throughout most of the movie, and you you see his face later, but he's the one who initially shows up with guys to to see the UFO and chases ET, and then in subsequent scenes you see the keys jangling, and you're like, oh, it's the keys guy. And then when he finds the candy that Elliot has spread on the ground, he kind of pushes it around and then you you see him out of frame, pick it up and eat it. And I was like, what a weird thing to do. Even if you thought it was candy, it's like a, it's like wet candy in the woods. What if it had somehow been alien poop? And you're just like, Oh God, you guys get over here. This alien poop tastes crazy. Delicious. I just thought that was like such, I feel like there's like a comedy sketch there or something where like, he's just like eating everything he finds on the, on the way to find ET. And it's like, he's like, he's tracking, a, he's tracking a rabbit and taking all the pellets from behind the rabbit. I have a story about that, but I'll tell you off pod. Um, um, if, anyway, uh, if, uh, <laughs> they filmed it with M&Ms in mind. He's like, there were supposed to be peanut M&Ms. So they have to dub in. Mm, what if they, peanut what if they butter Reese's pieces? <laughs> What if since then, like M&Ms was like, please, like hey, Spielberg, we know you're taking the shotguns out and adding walkie talkies. Will you put M&Ms in over the Reese's? And then sloppily, it's like wobbling around like CG'd on top of. <laughs> they add in they add in the two talking M&Ms to like the scene just to be like in the background. Yeah. Uh, silence your cell phone. <laughs> um, the, the part that always gets me that I think is so cute and funny is... E.T. is in his room for in one of the first times and Elliot's like showing him things, but it's nothing like logical that you would try to explain to an alien. It's just a little kid showing all the stuff in his room. So he's like, oh, here's this shark thing. And I used to have one of those like a shark head on a mm-hmm. stick that kind of chomps. And he's like, oh, and you can chomp this thing. Oh, and this thing does this thing. And it's just like weird toys and bullshit in his room where I was like, E.T. must just be like, I don't know what the fuck any of this is. Like, is this important? Like, what? I, I love that so much because mm-hmm. he wouldn't be like, and we have a president and we do this and that. It's all just like it's the stuff kid. in his It's a kid world. showing off his toys to like a new yes. friend. Yeah. And like nothing, nothing like of like no life value really. It's just like, no, these are all the things I kind of interact with and do. Also just so funny how like the mom does not see this alien in her house for like days. Like she's literally putting groceries away. He's passing behind her multiple times. She knocks him with the fridge. She's just like, but she's also like recently separated she's dealing with all her kids and all this stuff so it makes sense that she's just like not even in in that headspace at all yeah i agree with robert single mothers completely oblivious oh my god (laughs) (laughs) my mom didn't know we had another sibling for years it was it was insane um but i i do love that and um they give the mom such a weird look when she shows up on halloween she shows up in this kind of catwoman leopard print get up and they look get look at her like what the hell is going on? Like, why is mom dressed up like a weird cat lady? Um, just a, such a fun one to revisit. Um, and then I followed that up immediately with Flight of the Navigator, mm, which okay. is a Disney classic. Love that movie. Don't remember if y'all have seen it, but um, really good Alan Silvestri score. It's on Disney+. Plus. Um, the main actor, I don't know really what else he has been in, but um, he did a really great job. And And the main plot is that He's in Florida in, I want to say 1978. And 
goes to pick up his brother one night walking through the woods and falls in this ravine and passes out. And then when he wakes up, he runs back to his house. There's new people in it, this older couple. He doesn't know where his parents are. He goes to the police and they don't understand. He's like a missing, he's been declared dead. And then you find out he's been gone for eight years, but hasn't aged, which to me as a kid, like I loved the movie, but it was like such a scary idea that like you went on a walk one night and you come back to your house and you're no one, you know, is there when he finally finds sees his parents again, they're older. The dog is old. His brother is like older than his younger brother is older than him. And it's so wild. And then it all comes to a head when he gets taken to NASA and the, sh- this ship that crashed the same night he disappeared or, 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 uh, or, uh, uh eight, the same day he came back or whatever is also like at another part of the base. And they get in communication with each other. Like he hears a voice in his head and gets access to the ship where no one else could. And then goes on this kind of like journey to get back home. Um, Really cool and the, effects, and the aliens are great. I loved it. I love it so much. And the voice of the uh, the plane is Paul Rubens, right? See, Peter I Herman? don't know if it actually is. It, they're doing it a Paul Rubens lat, like he when he he interfaces with the kid at one point, and then basically kind of takes all these weird kind of like idiosyncrasies with him, and is kind of acting all goofy and funny. And he's doing the ha ha, like he's totally doing the Pee Wee mm-hmm. laugh. Yeah. But I I looked in the credits, and I don't know if it is. Maybe you guys can can double check or it's confirm raw, but i, I Paul being if not he should have gotten uh, a nice check for that because it was a real he was doing a, a quite a bit of it they've got the audio um, of him being busted in the adult uh theater oh my too. god <laughs> well the other thing is would would the kid have peewee peewee wasn't in the 70s right so he would he have had even that in his head at the time i think was, when the time the movie was made he would but the the boy in the film wouldn't be familiar with that he's a pre-cock Hey, there you go. Um, I forgot to mention the other connection was Gangs in New York to E.T. Uh, the kid who plays Elliot is in Gangs in New York. Mm. So I watched Gangs in New York. He's older. And then I watched him as a kid. Um, so loved that. Fight of the Navigator. You guys should check it out if you haven't seen it in, in Disney+. Plus. Does it say it? What is that? Paul Rubens. Oh, wow. Plays That's the awesome. part of, he plays the part of Max. The, uh, okay, so part. maybe it's a different voice when it's not interface with the kid because he very, he's very much like, compliance navigator you are the navigator but then once he gets to the kid i think he's like huh let's do it yeah let's go david he could just Um, be a talented voice actor who can do both of those voices maybe so um what else oh i watched batman year one last night uh dc animated film just about an hour long it's almost more about jim gordon than it is about batman and um uh interesting stuff like he he moves to Gotham and, and joins the department and then pretty quickly uh, has an affair with this woman that's like on the task force with him. And even though he is married and his wife is pregnant. So it becomes this thing that he is killing. He's beating himself up about doing. And then it, it's revealed later that like the corrupt cops have evidence that he's doing that and are like, now if you don't play our game, like we'll just reveal to your wife that, you know, this is happening. And then, um, I don't want to spoil too much, but there is a part where like he does a very Jim Gordon thing of like, I'm just going to tell my wife because then I can't be blackmailed. And like, yes, I might ruin my marriage by revealing what I've done, but it will mean that I can't be, you know, tricked or, or you know, I won't be a patsy to, to someone. If they say, we're just going to show your wife, he'll just be like, well, oh, I already told her. I would like to um, point out that uh, revealing the information to his wife is not what's going to ruin his marriage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think like it's the kind of thing where she would also probably understand like, he's dealing with some really crazy, horrible people. And like, 
she could leave him, but also like he's doing it because he realizes like he fucked up and she'll be in danger if he doesn't. Um, but it's interesting stuff. I, I liked it. And I know that the, it's based heavily on a comic, um, but I liked it well enough. And at an, an hour, it was a perfect kind of perfect length. Um, didn't love the guy doing the Batman voice, um, but it was kind of like a fun first outing. Um, and then I think the only other movie I watched was The Green Knight. I went and saw that oh, in theaters. Oh, yeah. How was that? How was that? That was excellent. I loved it. I think uh, it's a, a it's an A24 film, so it, it's definitely kind of artsy, and it's based on a very old poem. So if you go in thinking that um, it'll be very straightforward or like some, you know, medieval fantasy and sword fights and stuff, it's not that. It's, it's quiet, and it's reflective, and it's trippy, um, and it's confusing at times, and there's a lot of symbolism, and you might kind of walk out going, what was that exactly about? And I think... The answer is it's about a lot, um, but I really loved it. And um, uh, God willing, I would love to see it again in theaters or at least on a big, uh, a, a nice big screen. Cause it's the visuals and the, the soundtrack were so awesome. And we were perfect center seats where the screen just filled my whole vision. And it just felt like it was pulling you in. Hmm. Um, Dev uh, Patel in that is um, so hot. Uh, he looks great. Uh, there's, uh, uh, some real, some real lookers in the cast. Uh, not that that has anything to do with anything, but, um, didn't hurt to see that mug on yeah, screen for so long. Guy. Um, but I would highly recommend that. And that's another one I won't really say too much about since it just came out, but I, I really, really loved it. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. Max, yeah, did you see any movies? Me? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one, I've seen a single movie. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I'm playing the role of Rob today. Uh, and I watched The Best of Enemies, which is uh, a movie about um, a school being integrated in Durham, North Carolina, uh, with Taraj P. Henson and um, uh, Sam Rockwell mm-hmm. as like the two main. So uh, Rockwell is like the head of his KKK chapter and... Um, Taraj is a um, like an activist who mm-hmm. is like fighting for the rights of African Americans, and um, so there's a school that burns down, a black school that burns down, and they need to relocate the kids, and they're going to integrate a school, and there's you know a bunch of hubbub around it, and then they bring in somebody from another city to oh my gosh, there's like a there's a name for what they do. And I forget what it's called, but they kind of get together. They bring all the interests parties, the two sides of the story um, to kind of like put their point forward. And it takes weeks and they talk to each other and they get them into the same room and they uh, at the end vote for what they want to do. And um, it is a, a very interesting story and uh, very good performances. And it's, uh, I don't know, always a, a pleasure to watch uh sam rockwell i think he's a he's a very fun guy taraj mm-hmm. p henson is does a great job too they're called charrettes it's a thing called charrettes i've never heard of it before but just uh getting together you put your points forward and then you vote on like specific pieces of it. you say these are the important things these are what we want to talk about you get to say your side of it and it took a long time to uh to like figure everything out and and 
over the course of weeks and everyone's watching it because it's kind of a big deal and they think that, you know, it's going to have impacts on other stuff, but it's mainly about these people uh, who are living in the same town who kind of, you know, know of each other and, and play off each other pretty well and uh, kind of get introduced to their personal life and their beliefs and all of that. And uh, yeah, I think it's interesting. My mom recommended it and I watched it and was not disappointed. Yeah. So. I, I remember hearing about it when it came out and then I just kind of forgot it. Cause it, I don't know, not a lot of people talked about it, but it, <clears throat> I did want to see it. Taraji P. Henson and Sam Rockwell, you're right, are two fantastic actors. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And they, they do a really great job in that movie. Play off each other. Well, I recommend it. Mm-hmm. How about you, Andrew? You watched anything? I watched Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Oh, uh, I want to watch that with uh, Kristen Wiig and her writing partner. I figured her name, her forget her name right now, but um, it is a Max. Have you heard of it? You made a kind of a confused face. Nah, this is uh, I well, it's completely new to me. Except when you said Kristen Wiig, I got a a brief flash of I thought I saw like her face on a poster. Mm-hmm. That's it. It was Does she a, have a beehive or something like that? A tall hairdo? Yeah. So she, her and her writing partner, they played Barb and Star, and they are like lifelong best friends. They are, I mean, it's a, I want to say, I think this movie was so funny, and it was absolutely the kind of like comedy I wanted to watch during the time that I was watching it. It's absurd. It is, and what, what I really like about it is if you watch the trailer, the trailer shows you that it's going to be ridiculous, but it doesn't give away at all what the movie's about. And I was like pleasantly surprised to watch the movie and not like, just like know that, you know, there's gonna be some jokes coming and including like, I know some of the jokes cause of the trailer, but overall, like there's no plot details in the trailer whatsoever. Kind of makes it just seem like it's, you know, these two weird characters going to a resort. Yeah. And hijinks ensue, which is, kind of what happens but ultimately there's also this like huge plot line going on that is not hinted at at all in the trailer and i really like that um there's it it is definitely a movie that you have to be in the right mood for a very silly movie it like it kind of reminds me of like an snl era movie where it's just like it's it's like these two characters that would come out of a sketch and then getting into like a ridiculous situation. It's really funny. They're both so funny in it. Um, the guy from 50 shades of gray is like the male lead in it. And he's wonderful. He's so funny. He's like delightful. He has like a big singing number in it. He's, I was really very pleased with the movie. Um, again, it's absurd. It's stupid, but it's like, you have to be in the right mood, but it was really enjoyable. I enjoyed it a lot. But who is the actor? Who is uh, Kristen Wiig's writing partner? Oh, I don't remember her name. Um, has has she been? She's her writing partner. Has she been like in like an actor in other things I before? I recognize her as somebody who's been in other yeah. stuff. Because I yeah, because I didn't recognize her from I didn't recognize her face from anything, and I wasn't sure if this was like her first time kind of. I didn't assume first time acting, but like uh, I just wasn't sure what she was from or if she had been in something else. So she's Annie Malamo is her name. Uh, mm. She it appears like she's ex she's been like extras and other stuff, but like for the most part, this is her first um, maybe her first like true like main role in a thing. Mm. She's really funny. What? I mean, they're both I, obviously Kristen Wiig is 
is a, hysterical and everything she's in. But um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's on Hulu, so it's no you no longer have to pay to to watch it. But um, yeah, was, I enjoyed was it a Kristen lot. Wiggs was Kristen Wiggs character Barb or Star? Probably Barb. She um, was Star. She was Star. Would, was she in any like this wasn't a direct lift from SNL no. she didn't have she didn't play this character no. okay it's so they're like you know obviously both uh Kristen Wiig and Annie they're writing partners but they both come from improv and like stage you know like sketch stuff and this is very much like these are two sketch characters that are placed into like a real world setting and it's yeah they're both again they they just are both so fun in it Mm-hmm. So I do recommend it, especially if you're in the mood for like a really like out of control comedy. I think it's really fun. <laughs> um, but that's it for the movies for me, you guys. Let's talk about some TV shows we've seen. We've seen. Rob, you watch any TV? Just um, just rewatched to kind of absorb more the second season of I Think You Should Leave with uh, Tim Robinson, mm-hmm. which is excellent. Um, I feel like there's only one episode that kind of just doesn't do a ton for me. But um, but other than that, I think it's really funny. It's a bit darker. I think I maybe mentioned in a previous episode, but it's a little darker, in my opinion, than the first season. And especially the very last sketch of the last uh, of the last episode is like a weird that's like a weird one to go out on. Um, very like, uh, I don't know, just like talking about real life things and like, it's weird when, you know, you become an adult and then you have to, you know, take care of your parents. Like they're the babies now. And I was kind of like, and it's almost like, I think it almost basically ends on that. Mm-hmm. And just this, this thing of like, yeah, you're right. And also that's wild. <laughs> that's a weird way comedy thing to end on. Um, but I really enjoyed it, and I definitely appreciate some more sketches, some sketches more, uh, having seen them a couple more times now. Um, but I would definitely recommend people to watch it, and it's super quick binge. I think it's, you know, six episodes, yeah. 15 minutes apiece. So, yeah. Max, what about you? Well, I don't think I've watched a whole lot. I, I watched a couple of Olympic events, and uh, I may have watched some more Summer Camp Island animated Adventure Time-like wholesome uh story about witches running a summer camp Mm -hmm. Uh, and i think that's it wow um i watched the first two episodes of turner and hooch on disney plus Mm. which is the josh it's not josh gad what is his name josh brolin duval (laughs) duval josh duval brolin gad hyphen drake and josh josh um and he plays the tom hanks role of Turner and he gets paired with a dog to be his cop partner Hooch and you know it's it has its charms it is really heavy on gunplay considering it's a Disney plus series like and like nobody gets shot in it but there's a lot of people firing off guns in it which I'm like I was kind of surprised to see in like a Disney plus show are there any dogs firing off shots yeah like big AKs in their mouth, just um, <laughs> Hooch is so cute, such a good dog. Um, and you know, Hooch was very cute in the movie as well. I really liked Hooch in the movie, but um, yeah, I it's um, 
I'm having a hard time recommending it to people because it's it feels like dialogue and situations written for like a younger audience, but then like like I said, there's really heavy gunplay in certain scenes, and like I don't know the way that they they kind of block and stage those scenes make them kind of scary, and I'm not like, and especially because Hooch is is always in the line of fire, and maybe that's just me as like a person who's like very sensitive to animal violence that like I'm really worried that and. Uh, that Hooch is going to, you know, not that the dog actor is going to get shot, but that like Hooch, the character will get end up getting shot or something. But it's just it it's a show that I can't quite figure out if it knows what it wants to be. And when that's happening, it doesn't like I always feel like things don't do either thing that they're trying to do very well. If they can't quite center around what they want it to be and it. I feel like it's kind of lost in that area right now. Hmm. Um, but the other thing we're watching right now is Happy Endings, which is a sitcom from a couple years ago, uh, that was ended too short to, uh, apparently to most people. I had not finished it. I've watched a little bit of it before, but it's, um, Adam Pally, Damon Waynes Jr., uh, Elijah Cuthbert, um, and Casey Wilson are in the cast and it's a, yeah, it's a sitcom. It's really funny based in Chicago. They're like six friends who, you know, two of them were going to get married. And the at the very beginning, uh, Elisha Cuthbert runs out on the wedding and then they have to deal with the fallout of this in this friend group together. So kind of an interesting story to cut short and make everybody unhappy with the ending. <laughs> <laughs> Good observation, Max. Um, anyways, that's it for me for TV. Guys, let's talk about the movie we watched this week. Space Jam. A new legacy. Everybody get up, it's time to slam now. We got the real jam going down. Welcome to the Space Jam. Space jam. Here's your chance, do your dance at the Space Jam. All right. All right. Yeah, we watched Space Jam, A New Legacy with LeBron James. Sonequa Martin. Bugs Bunny. Bugs Bunny. A plethora of NBA and WNBA players. Uh... Damian Lillard, Clay Thompson, Neka Ugumake, Diana Tarazi, Anthony Davis. We got the Droogs, King Kong, Yogi Bear. We got everyone in this. Oh, let's also mention Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle, yeah. Oh, who could forget? Uh, recent Emmy nominated for Winter Soldier, Don Cheadle. Um, and soon to be Oscar nominated for NBA Jam, the second uh, coming. <laughs> so uh, before we get into plot and stuff... This, so this uh, movie is streaming on uh, HBO Max for a, a couple more weeks and yeah. then we'll, you know, go through its life cycle of being paid for and then go back to being free probably pretty soon. Would you guys recommend people watch Space Jam A New Legacy on HBO Max? Nope. No, <laughs> no. no I would not. I, I would probably discourage people from watching this one. Yeah. yeah it, the, it feels I, bad. It feels bad watching it. The uh, yeah. the only reason I would encourage anybody to watch it is if you're a huge fan of the first one. And I'd say watch the first one again. The well, the first one's not good. I mean, the first Space Jam is is legitimately bad. Um, and I wouldn't. I mean, yeah. So unless you're like a, a Space Jam completist or you're a huge fan of LeBron James acting, then uh, <laughs> there's not a. I okay. I'll say. There's one joke I got a really good laugh out of in the movie, 
but overall I laughed at that one too. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I think it's the same one. It's probably the same one. We'll get to it in a second, but Okay. Yeah, right. This is a this is a hard especially I mean it is a ki- it's a kids movie. Like it's it's you know this is a movie that is designed this is designed for kids. Is, Casablanca. Yeah, uh, there's Pennywise. Yeah, that, that's uh, the thing. That's what it's going to get into. This is a kids into. advertisement. I it would is, call it more than a movie. Like, they want they of, wanted kids to watch this for sure. I don't know if it's a kids movie. Yeah, but, yeah, in terms of dialogue and story, it's a kids mm-hmm. movie, but like in terms of references, it's not even for the Space Jam generation. Like there's a lot of references that are for like people who like in their like like 70s. It is it, this movie is wild. So Space it's Jam it's just a reminder of all Warner Brothers properties, I think, essentially. It's an ad for HBO Max. It's like, here's the things you can delve into in our archives. So what it is, is LeBron James gets invited to Warner Brothers for a presentation. They want him to be an actor in like all of their movies. Like basically they're pitching him to me like in everything. Is it a movie? It basically just like, we, yeah, it's like we will insert you in everything. Yeah. So they introduce him to this like AI thing, which is called Algae Rhythm, which is uh, Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle is I, okay. So maybe you guys can explain this to me. I seems unlikely, but Don Cheadle is a person who exists in the WB server, right? He he well, he, he is a program. He's he's a an he, al- he is the body. algorithm. And they he, made, yeah, he they, has created he has created an avatar for himself to look like yes. a human Don yes. Cheadle. Um, yes. So wait, did they they created he created it himself? Because otherwise they would be like, oh, that's weird. He has like a face now and talks to you. It feels like someone made him. They even commented like, oh, he's black. Uh-huh. Like so, someone someone designed him that way. We'll get into it, yeah. but so it was just odd. Anyway, they, they pitched this thing, Algae Rhythm. Basically, you know, pitches also pitches LeBron on this this whole thing about him becoming the face of Warner Three Thousand, which is this like, yeah, thing where they'll insert him into everything, and he'll be the the face of Warner Brothers. He kind of turns him down. He, you know, he has a real one of those like wry, witty lines of, "Have you ever, you know, athletes being actors never works out." <laughs> um. And so he sound he, advice. He ta- he turns him down. <laughs> his kid, who's been designing his own video game, gets lost in the Warner Brothers building serververse. In the ser- well, he not yet. Oh, sorry. He, yes, he goes down into this room he's not supposed to be in, which is where this Warner Three Thousand thing is being housed, and that's when Don Cheadle, Algae Rhythm, presents himself and then takes LeBron and his son Don into the serververse. And challenges LeBron to a game of basketball. And if he wins, then LeBron has to stay in the server verse. But if LeBron wins, then he and his son are, are saved. So LeBron James must team up with the Looney Tunes to defeat uh, Algae Rhythm, Don, and the Goon Squad in order to save the world from becoming everybody becoming part of the server verse. So, so in this in this plot, it has nothing to do with space. Do you think that this was originally playing off of the term cyberspace and that's why they're in a server verse and that's how it's Space Jam? That's giving them too much credit. That's giving them too much credit. I think it is is purely taking a, like, they are trying to cash in on whatever cachet video games and Fortnite, and that that's that the computer stuff is hot so that's what they're doing yeah. period yeah, I, I think. think there is there's I, nothing tied other than just like this is a sequel to 
the Michael Jordan movie. That's it. Yeah. Also, nobody ate any jam. So like neither word. <laughs> yeah, neither first... word. Yeah, there's a lot of false advertising in this in this thing. Um I know neither of you like this movie, but I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up the one joke that really landed with me, and you guys can also tell me if there are other things you liked about this movie, but um so there it's halftime. And uh, the the Toon Squad's getting trounced, and they don't know. It's like three fourths of the way for the movie. The, I know, the good I joke, know. by the way. Um, they are just getting their butts whooped. I, I love that I I knew it before. Like yeah. you said, I enjoyed a joke in this movie. Yeah. I was like, yeah. And yeah. so I forget who it is, but somebody's like, you know what? I know spirits are low, but I've got a big surprise. Here he is. He's Daffy coming Duck. back. Michael Jordan, and then Michael B. Jordan walks through the door, and he's just like, "Hey guys." Uh, I'm enjoying the game. Uh, good luck. Like just that the side gag of it being Michael B. Jordan was, was really, that really did tickle me. But in, in terms of, in terms of jokes, that was like the one good one, but it was a really yeah, so, good one. So imagine this, a movie where this is very notably the best joke of the entire movie. And it's an hour and 20 minutes into the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, for me, the delineation, I, I told you guys before the record, but um, I watched this in two chunks. I watched it pretty soon after our last record, which would have been a couple of weeks ago. And then I stopped at about halfway, about an hour in. Um, and I think that's al- almost the exact moment that they the game starts. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and uh, Algae Rhythm, Algae Rhythm uh, summons all the different properties to come watch. Um and yeah, it was just a tough watch for me. I particularly uh, was upset about, I, I didn't like that they have to all become 3D. Um, I thought they all looked really ugly when uh, they all get transformed. And I think it's especially strange since like there are some characters and properties that feels like they looked like they normally look in the crowd. Yeah. And then they had, but they had to become like photorealistic and kind of like, you know, realistic hair and stuff like that. Also, I think it just came out or Warner just tweeted this. None of the uh, people who worked on the film for the 2d animation, none of the stuff that where LeBron first shows up and is in like the, the very bright kind of nice looking Looney Tunes world were credited in the movie. Oh, credit. Oh, geez, that's terrible. They're not in the credits. They put out a tweet that said, hey, thank you for all your hard work. And here's their names. I mean, that'll live forever, Ouch. though. The credits, you can like scroll past, but a tweet. Yeah, the credits, yeah. anyone can like, yes, exactly. But that tweet, mwah, oh, that's that's just all you live for, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I know that's, that's that's beside the point and that's not in that's not the film. But it, they, it, to me, that was the more appealing part of the movie was when the Looney Tunes still looked like the Looney Tunes. Um, I know we can't have the same voice actors forever and always and, and people change, but I really didn't like Bugs's voice. Um, I thought it was a weird change of voice for him and mm-hmm. a lot of other folks sounded uh, on point. And I know the guy who does Bugs also did a, a couple of other characters, um, but I just thought it was bizarre. And it was also weird too. Like what, what, what happened? Like why did the other Looney Tunes leave Bugs alone? So they like algae rhythm is apparently like Lord and Lord and master of the WB properties. And so what mm-hmm. he did was he convinced the other Looney Tunes that they could be, have more lucrative careers. If Daffy decides to be uh Superman, if, uh, you know, like uh, all these other, uh, 
if Lola becomes an Amazon, yeah, if, like, if, if Granny and Speedy Gonzalez are it just in, hang in out the in the Matrix and get actually shot at yeah, by real police. So they basically whatever like the 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 um, the like royalties and the like putting him in different properties deal that he had given to LeBron, he also gave to the other Looney Tunes. So it's a real like the the 2011 Muppets with Jason Siegel where it's just Kermit hanging out by himself in the in the Muppets lot it's that except it's the Looney Tunes world with bugs it was just so weird it was just like such a weird reason to not have them assembled at first and then of course a dumb excuse to put them in a bunch of properties and then travel to those like worlds or whatever um I wish they had done more of that like the the fact that I'd say like a full hour of this movie nearly is dedicated to the basketball game is a mistake. Well, so we keep saying basketball game, and it, it is not a basketball a, game. It is a, a video game that his son made that's like weird power-ups and no rules yeah. and and cheating, but cheating is part of it. And and none of like the tune stuff. I mean, well, actually, they do that later, but it's like they forgot they played. They know they were in Space Jam, right? Some of them appear to, some of them appear not to. It also like depends scene by scene whether they're aware. Like The Lola, Monstars are in the audience. Lola Bunny... <laughs> appears to be the one who's like consistently I've done this before we played basketball yeah and then other ones are like what you know like there's I think they do this scene in the first one where uh somebody tells you Sam Sam to shoot the ball and he goes and like shoots the ball with his guns like it's it's not just that like the movie itself is a sequel it's like it it can't decide if it if the characters know it's a sequel if it's and then like I said, they just recycled a joke from the first one. We're just like, okay, like, great. I, I remember when Fudd and him look like uh, Pulp Fiction, mm-hmm. and they have like guns, and they've like shot something. I don't remember what the context is, but they I do remember that. Which, if you're gonna argue that like it's weird to have these all these you know Casablanca properties, it's like yeah, they were making references to adult movies and other things in the first one, but not so blatantly and also the looney tunes have always referenced old movies and casablanca and weird stars of the like 50s and 60s and stuff like that so that's not jarring to me it's just that i think to me that one of the things that that got to me the most the pitch in the movie to lebron by lg rhythm is what if we took all these properties and just mashed them up and ready player one style you're in everything and everything is in everything and he says, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And then they do it. And the then movie. the movie is that. Yeah. Yes. And it just feels like you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't say in your movie, you should you should have everyone at least saying, this is a great idea. Or LeBron saying like, sure, I'd love that. And then not realizing, uh-oh, what if I actually have to do that though? And then he's thrown into the matrix and everything else. It's a weird move to be like, huh it wouldn't be awful if you just like tried to just throw LeBron and all these characters into every other property we own. Yes. Also here it is. Mm -hmm. Here's proof. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think the, the most off putting part for me was the Mad Max scene where it's actual footage from Mad Max during a huge chase with explosions and stuff like that with, with a Looney Tune strapped to the front of a car where he's the blood bag, right? If Who like, was the blood bag character? I couldn't tell. He's just like that. He's just like that cowboy character that's in so. some shorts. He's like not named. I don't yeah. know what he is. They just tossed him in there so they didn't have to like pay Tom Hardy anything, I think. But it, that it was just so, I don't know. It just felt really bad. And that's what I guess they didn't pick up that guy. They went there to pick up uh, Wiley, Wiley and Roadrunner. Roadrunner. 
just because they're the desert character. I don't know. And it also makes sense that they only picked up Looney Tunes and not any of the other ones. This movie was awful. I also watched it in two parts. I watched about 20 minutes and then gave up and then went back and watched the original movie because I hadn't seen that in a while. Space Jam and basically was, was wondering, you know, is everyone crazy? Is it, like, why is there a following? Is it really this bad? Mm-hmm. And it's not a good movie, like you say, Andrew, but it's not as bad as this new one. Yeah, it, It's at least fun and enjoyable and Michael Jordan does a lot of really weird close-up reactions to things that are really stupid, like, well, I can't believe that happened or something. And the well, camera my favorite, what's going right on here, guys? Right on his face. <laughs> exactly. They're so good. At least uh, when LeBron lands in this one, I'll give him credit. He, I mean, he's animated when he lands in this one. But at least he's like, oh, what's going on? He also says, like, I'm as short as someone else. Kevin he's, Hart. He's like, oh, right. He's like, I'm as short as Kevin Hart. Um, yeah, I will say, like, I don't think also LeBron did much better than Jordan in the acting department. I and I know LeBron has been in other stuff, but I don't think he did a very good job. That's a shame because yeah. like the, the, the promise of this movie is that Michael Jordan is, I think even he would admit not a good actor and like, not that LeBron fancies himself a Daniel day Lewis, like a great actor, He's funny in projects like LeBron James is legitimately funny when he shows up in movies. And so like the promise to me of this movie is that it's going to be the silliness of Looney Tunes, but with the, the kind of comedic chops of a LeBron James who like can do stuff with material. He's, you know, a little more well-versed in movies than Michael Jordan is. And maybe in terms of like other athletes, like he may be one of the more like, like, honestly, I think he's a very comedically talented actor when he's called upon to do it. But this is the, you know, the material's bad. He's like, you know, the joke, you know, Oh, I'm shorter than Kevin Hart or like, man, what'd they do to my boy AD? It's just like, if this is a movie for children, then like the jokes about Kevin Hart, the jokes about Anthony Davis's unibrow it's all like stuff that just flies over the head of kids and like, and me and you and like people who and just the like character don't... who is that person. He's like, huh? Yeah. Oh, what's wrong? The brow? With and I was like, do you not know why your name is the brow? You must know that that you're famous for that or something. Or I'm assuming he's famous for having like a big yeah. brow or something. Yeah. So it's just, it's like, it's a movie that it felt like the script was sort of catered to LeBron James in terms of like, see, you know, like this is like, this is a funny joke for, you know, like we're making fun of these people that, you know, and not for the audience. Like it's not a movie made for the viewing audience. It's kind of made for LeBron James to have like a, and a LeBron James vanity project. And like, I, I wanted to like this movie. I have some nostalgia for the first Space Jam. I recognize it's not a good yeah. movie, but I have some some nostalgia for it. And I just don't think that this movie landed anything that it was trying to do other than the Michael Jordan joke, um, which is uh, maybe a top 10 joke of all time. Um, I, would, I would classify it as pretty good. I think you're kind of judging it off of the rest of the movie. It's on a curve. W- it's graded on a curve. <laughs> so. Yeah, in which case it's the best thing that's yeah. come out of that movie for um, sure. Yeah, and I just I think like the 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 visuals of the game where it's just like you know at the end the the game ends up being like a thousand and forty two points to a thousand and forty three points or something, and the like the amount of like 
ridiculous like bonus qualifiers and style points and stuff. It's just it I'm not, you know, like kids and people who are watching the movie are not watching the movie for the game, but they spend so much on the game that it's bo- it's so boring by the like midway point of the game. The the like the actual like dom ball basketball thing like 20 minutes tops guys like cut it down like it's so much of that game that this is a movie where you know like we said with the trailer and all these things where it's like they go to matrix land they go they fly past harry potter world they go you know like the like a brief scene in metropolis where they play the soup the beginning of the superman song and i was like oh i'm happy to hear that bump a bum bump a bump a bum Bumpin', bumpin', bumpin'. Like, I just wanted to hear the Superman song. And then even, you know, even though we don't, like, particularly go gaga for the DC movies, like, I, I like the Wonder Woman sting, the little... Like, and, like, I was, like, happy to hear it in this movie. But, again, that's maybe because I didn't like the rest of the movie, but... Why was, like, it what felt... was the decision to... Oh, sorry, go ahead, Max. That that specific music cue felt weird to me because it wasn't the Snyderverse yeah. Wonder Woman. It was the it was an animated Wonder Woman. That's what I was wondering. I was like, what? What? Like it was it was trying to pull from like the source, the most source. Like it literally shows footage of Mad Max Fury Road, but then also shows a comic version of Wonder Woman I've never seen. Yeah, I I was like, what? Why are why are why is this decision that they not want to have Gal Gadot? Could they could they not? They also um. So Rosario Dawson ends up doing Wonder Woman in this movie. But it sounds like she's doing a Gal Gadot impression. Am I wrong? Like she kind of sounds like Gal Gadot Wonder Woman. It does huh. seem like they were trying to uh, like pick and choose what they wanted from from each bit of it. It just seems like if you're trying to like just nakedly push all of this uh content onto people and remind people of your properties, why would you do some weird comic version of Wonder Woman that we, we've never seen before instead of the actual live action one that you have the rights to and have mm. footage of because isn't that odd? I think because Mad Max was a clip of about five seconds. And in the, the animated wonder woman part, they actually had to do a story where well, they didn't have to, was, but yeah, <laughs> you're, you're right. You're absolutely right. They, they, didn't have they also to. have an entire opening sequence from wonder woman, 1984, where they do a big long, you know, contest for where, where mm-hmm. she was like a little kid and she's mm-hmm. like trying to become an Amazon, you know, like the head Amazon or whatever. So it feels like the perfect way to insert that kind of storyline, just have Lola running alongside them or replace the little Lola, Wonder Woman. Yeah, with her. Lola should have been dunking on that little kid. <laughs> <laughs> it was so weird. That's what um, I mean, like that's like primarily one of my biggest problems with the movie is that in the you know, in the trailers and, and the promotional material, they're showing you that like look at all these people who are at the game, you know, Pennywise is here and the White Walkers and but like there's so little attention paid to that like it this is you know like the the i think one of the more disappointing things about the ready player one movie is that they just didn't have the artistic license to do like they didn't weren't able to have access to all these characters to like show them on screen here's the wb saying like look at all this stuff we have access to and we can show you but so little care or attention is paid to that stuff. And instead it's just this like really ludicrously boring 
like set piece of them being on this like really ugly looking digital basketball court. Yeah, the the look of this movie is garbage. Like the first movie is so bright and colorful mm-hmm. and like you would expect from a Looney Tune. And in this one, like it even also the first movie starts out with like Michael Jordan in his backyard playing basketball and his dad's like, hey, good job. In this one, it's like, hey, you're you're like terrible. You need to practice. You need to do all this stuff because they're trying to like put drama in there where it really doesn't need to be like space jam should be fun and Mm -hmm. silly. And instead it's this story about, okay, this dad is way too hard on his kid. The kid has done something that no fucking 12 year old possibly could do create, you know, like doing, doing this full on video game. And, and also that like, I really hate when they put video game stuff in and don't understand anything about video games. It's a a lot of that. He creates this, he creates this entire game. And then, everyone's impressed oh you created this character like yeah that's one fucking tiny piece of an, an entire game are you did, were you listening you well, know and you've you've mentioned before max like it's so weird when like like jumanji didn't do a great job of like it was very generically video game yeah it wasn't like it didn't get into specifics which i don't expect everyone to if you're going to appeal to the mass audience like okay you have three lives and you die and then you come yeah. back and there's one more life and but this, this feels the- like the, the whole plot thing- is centered around the fact that the kid made this game with the power-ups and the blah, blah, blah. And it just feels like they got so many things wrong, including like, yeah, a weird glitch that like will delete your characters and stuff like that. Like, I don't know. And they also did the same joke of like an NPC repeating the same thing again. Mm-hmm. Like that's the only thing these fucking people know about video games is. I have to imagine this had a lot of screenwriters or went through a, a, a lot of different people getting their hands on it none of them had played a video game since pac-man or something i don't know but yeah and but then when they get there everything's at night too and everything's dark and every like it's not fun because it has to fit mad max and and the white walkers and stuff and so like you can't just do the the goofy looney tune stuff and have some daylight and so it's I don't know it's it's just a bad feel and and you have Don Cheadle's character coming in and being like very manipulative and trying to like he creeped me out I didn't like his interactions yeah. with Dom I I I the way he was like kind of like oh you're my favorite now and like oh show me your game blah 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 I was just like oh I don't like like this premise this mm-hmm. is like weird to me um and like the stakes were just weird too where it was like the fun basketball part was out the window. It was all just about like power-ups and style points, which makes for like a fun visual in some cases. But I think you mentioned, Andrew, they literally get up like a thousands of points ahead of time. One of the characters, who's the spider woman? Uh, Neka Gumake. Neka is like, she goes above the hoop and is throwing the ball through the hoop over and over onto LeBron's face. And it's Mm -hmm. giving her more and more points. And I was like, so, okay, we just, why doesn't any of the Looney Tunes do anything like that? That was another, I mean, we already talked about, it seems like they don't remember they played a basketball game where they had to, they got to be creative and use their loony powers to win because they finally do near the end and that starts to like work out for them and they make up the points immediately. Like they do a couple things that somehow get them from the rest of the game being behind all the way up to like close in score. Um, But it was just like so weird and it truly did make me miss the 2D. When they transform back into 2D near the end, I was like, God, it would have looked so much better. I remembered what the stadium looked like in the first one. And mm-hmm. I remembered how fun it was to see like a couple live action characters with just these bright, vibrant tunes. And they did some stuff to like, like their shadowing and stuff. Like, you know, one of the monsters towers over someone and you see like the stuff you wouldn't see on a normal old school flat Looney Tune cartoon. But 
that was like the novel thing about it at the time. I thought I, I liked that about it. Also, totally missed opportunity to not have Bill Murray come in and save the day. Yeah, yeah for at sure. the end of this one, I thought for sure with everything else going on that that would have been pulled too. And and it annoyed me that they then put the monsters in it, only yeah. to have them just be like two two reaction shots. They're also they also appear to be rooting for the goon squad, even though they're like good by the end of Space Jam. Right. Like mm-hmm. they they learn that they're now Looney Tunes and are happy about it. So I thought that was odd also. Yeah. Um, hey, continuity. Yeah. I, um, I, to, to talk about the 2D thing, I honestly didn't really like the way like a LeBron turned out in 2D. I, I thought, the rest I mean, of them I were good in 2D. I no. thought, yeah, like, no, like I hate to, to kind of shit on the 2D animation because they did not get there. Like apparently weren't even in the credits. I didn't even, I really didn't like the way that most of the characters looked in 2D either. I thought like it, the character designs were not good in 2D or 3D. Yeah, I think like going back, having seen uh, 20 minutes or whatever, enough to see some Looney Tunes in this one, and then going back to the old one, it really seemed like the, uh, like they cut down the frame count. They cut down, mm-hmm. and maybe it's just like that's, a lost art where you don't have the same talent who's been working on it their entire life. Like you do, uh, like you did back in the day, but uh, it really did seem like they they skimped a little bit on the 2d animation, but also yeah. stayed with it for quite a while before they turned 3d. And, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, any Too bad. We don't know who made the 2d versions of the Looney Tunes. Oh, well, <laughs> um, any final thoughts before we, before we cut this one off? I- I know we've been just bragging on it the whole time. And I, I also wanted to like it because I had some nostalgia for the original Space Jam. I don't I don't consider it a great film, but I think it has its place in my childhood and, and the hearts and minds of many. Um, and it's just a shame that they that the plot of the movie is literally like, wouldn't this be a bad idea? Yes, this is the movie. Yeah, I, 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 I think that level of meta is wild to me. And I really hope it doesn't bode for future properties and, and movies that are going to just keep doing that. I, I don't, I don't like that about the film that they're just shoving everything in weird versions on the, on the fringe too. the, the Danny DeVito penguin and the Pennywise and everyone, they're all like weird Halloween costume versions on the sidelines. I didn't yeah. like it. I didn't like th- that really bugged me the whole time. The, uh, the basketball game was going on. There's so many things in the background, right? Like, like this is the, the whole movie is hollow and you're just kind of like, looking for references hey here's you know this thing that here's uh the adam west batman next to like the uh arnold schwarzenegger mr freeze or whatever and then but it felt gross like i wanted to take a shower and like i stopped looking at the background i'm like they're Mm -hmm. just trying to advertise or trying to pull these things out things that have some kind of like it's not even necessarily things that people like but people things that people like to rag on or something because nobody like that mr freeze arnold schwarzenegger is terrible right but just it's a property that has been mentioned by people. And so they, they put it on screen, right? And so like during the basketball game, I did my best not to look at the background because it just felt like they were they were trying to do that. And it, it felt bad. And that's the whole movie, mm-hmm. right? Just, hey, remember what we used to be or something. Remember when, when other people created ideas that you liked and somehow like, you know, bask in that glow and, and you'll like this thing because of it does not work whatsoever makes you feel way worse than had they you know come up with an original idea that was you know half as good as something else but it just feels not only fake but trying to be manipulative manipulative like uh algae rhythm and all that stuff it it 
It's a bad movie. I wish it uh, a whole bunch of failure. I hope nothing <laughs> like this comes out in the future again. It's it's bad on many levels. Mm-hmm. Feels very corporate. It feels very uh, uh, cynical. It's uh, yeah. I I hope it does really poorly. I I feel slightly bad for having watched it and the one before it. They it did. HBO Max did it to me again. I watched something so bad that I went back and watched the original to find out if it was as bad. And they were both bad, but the first ones were usually better. So it's just downhill uh, uh, yeah. all the way. I agree. <laughs> I, I, did, I stopped and I went back and watched Casablanca and it's just as bad as I thought. <laughs> all right, everybody, that'll do it for Space Jam A New Legacy. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.